Hello and welcome to At Can Border, a podcast offering an inside look at the ways the Canada Border Services Agency works towards protecting and bettering the lives of Canadians and travellers crossing the country's border. I am your host, Tamara Lopez. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording this episode on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Métis Nation of Ontario, the Anishinaabek, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Huron-Wendat peoples. This land is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. In the spirit of reconciliation, we invite all listeners to reflect on and continually learn about the land they currently reside on and the Indigenous communities it is home to. Welcome everyone to At Can Border, the CBSA podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Lopez, and today's episode is on seizures and keeping Canadians safe. With me today, I have Salvatore Barbieri, who is a superintendent in Marine and Rail in Montreal. Welcome, Sal. Hello, everyone. Hello, Tamara. Thank you again for being with me today. Tell me a bit about yourself and your role as a superintendent in Marine and Rail in Montreal. Well, uh, as a superintendent of the Marine and Rail, uh, our mandate is uh, basically uh, to uh, examine uh, containers. Uh, when I'm talking about containers, it's marine containers and also uh, vessels. Uh, so ships coming into the Port of Montreal. So uh, I uh, supervise a group of uh, border services officer, uh, assigned tasks, you know, uh, daily assignments on uh, the various tasks that we'll be doing on the terminals. Terminals is the where the ships arrive and then where the ships dock and, and then the containers are offloaded. So uh, we have uh, various tasks that we can do uh, on the terminal itself or any uh, container warehouse where we will fully unload the commodity, uh, the containers and do our uh, examination of the commodity and uh, looking for contraband or any uh, items, uh, you know, the that are conformed with our commercial importations. So then what sort of tasks would you do then at this terminal, for example, where the ships come in? What do you have the BSOs do? What do you do there? Well, as the ships come in, uh, we have um, a, an ETA of when the ships come in. Okay, so when uh, we'll, we'll make the ship when it arrives. There's different aspects. There's two aspects. There's the uh, people aspect and there's also the... Uh, Goods aspect. So uh, as far as the people aspects do, we'll uh, look at the crew members, okay, and see if everything checks out with the crew members, if they have their proper documentation to be on the vessel. And as far as goods, uh, we have various ways we can uh, examine the goods. So uh, containers arriving into Canada are risk assessed. Just the Port of Montreal, there's over 1.5 million containers that will transit the port. And it's uh, a way to find the uh, a right container to examine, and that's how uh, the risk assessment comes in. And once the containers are, uh, how would you say, targeted, then we will do uh, our our exams. We have various types of exams. Most of our exams, well, all of our exams, will begin with the least intrusive way, so that you know the uh, cargo doesn't get damaged. Uh, our point is not to damage the cargo; it's just to intercept any contraband. So we can use uh, our contraband detection tools where we can. Uh, scan a whole container. We have a mobile uh, x-ray vehicle that we can scan a, um, a whole container, whether it's a 20 foot or 40 foot. From there, if we see any anomalies, then we'll uh, refer it for a further investigation. Well, we'll bring it into the warehouse and uh, begin our uh, exam where we'll unload the goods and have a look at the goods itself and the container itself. 
And again, 1.5 million that come in, that's definitely a lot to try and think about what you're going to look at and definitely risk assessment as part of the job would come into play. Now, looking at actual goods or speaking of the goods themselves, tell me about what happens when goods come in that are, say, not allowed into the country. What happens to those? That's a good question. Our mandate here is to uh, intercept and also deter uh, the uh, importation of contraband or uh, any uh, types of illegal activity of uh, smuggling. So in the event that we're um, examining a container, we do uh, come across some contraband. What we'll do is we'll uh, isolate the goods. Okay. Uh, if we're talking, when I'm talking about contraband, it could be uh, narcotics, uh, firearms, it can be in the form of alcohol or tobacco. That's not declared. Our mandate is to seize the goods. And we work closely with our federal law enforcement partners where we, uh, once the goods are seized, we will transfer the goods to them and they will continue with the disposal of the, the merchandise and continue with the investigation. Now, our investigation factor is uh, ends at that point. The uh, CBSA will continue uh, liaison liaising with the uh, police agency uh, in order to uh, clear any uh, customs issues. Okay, when I'm saying customs, it's uh, anything related to uh, their commercial release or the declaration of the of the cargo, right? Because uh, the uh, importer is not always involved in any uh, dealing in uh, contraband. It could be, you know, somebody using their name or uh, so that's that's where the investigation takes over after. So at the CBSA, we have the uh, intel section, which will do the liaison with the police. And we have our also investigation section, which will continue the investigation after the fact. Okay, so then a seizure, you're saying, of goods, for example, is when the CBSA would take, say, physical possession of the goods and have become property of, of the Crown, we'll say, the Crown Corporation, uh, and goods have been forfeited. So what would lead somebody to actually seize an item? from a commercial or a ship or from rail? Why would an officer seize something? According to the Customs Act, all goods entering Canada must be accounted for and must be uh, reported. So now if these goods are not reported, uh, then there's an allegation of an unreport, which could lead to a seizure. So all uh, persons crossing the border, whether it's uh, by air or uh, vehicles, need to report what they're bringing into a country. Uh, there's a series of questions that are asked to the uh, traveler when coming into the country, and they have to answer truthfully, again, according to the Customs Act. So why would you say then that it's important for people to know about declaration and why it's important for them to declare their goods to CBSA? If I could refer to food, what impact does it have on the Canadian uh, population or the Canadian economy? Well, uh, for example, if a pest is introduced, into the uh, Canadian environment that uh, has no uh, natural uh, uh, predator type of thing, well, then it will destroy our crops. It can destroy our, uh, these are wood boring uh, pests that will, uh, you know, uh, kill our trees, okay? Because there's no natural predator for this pest. And uh, if I can relate to the uh, maple industry, it'll kill our maple industry, right? If it kills our trees, it's a big industry here in Canada, all right? Uh, when we're talking about bringing in food, depending on the, uh, if it's any meat products, then it's related to the uh, agriculture, right? So all our uh, 
agriculture animals, right? Uh, our beef industry, uh, if it be contaminated, uh, we would be talking about diseases like foot and mouth disease for the uh, the beef industry. It would devastate our uh, our industry, right? So that's why we uh, try to stop it at the first port of arrival. Uh, so uh, is it contraband? No, they could probably do it unintentional, right? But that's why we asked those questions specifically, which will lead to a seizure. So then uh, arriving at the airport and they're bringing in uh, meat products, they're surprised that they'll need to uh, abandon it. If it was declared, they'll need to, uh, we'll give them the choice of abandoning it. But if it's not declared, it's seized and there's a penalty assessed to it too. In the CBSA, we apply over 90 uh, acts regulations, right? So uh, we're like uh, the uh, the front line. And uh, when we see this, we're applying the CFIA, which is the Canada Food Inspection Agency laws, and uh, we'll enforce them. That's actually very good you cleared that up because not everyone understands why I'm taking, say, for example, the apple away from somebody or my concern is with this, I don't know, patty from the Caribbean, for example. But there's a concern with invasive species being introduced into Canada that we can eradicate, like the emerald ash borer beetle, for example. Or we're concerned with sausages that were made overseas and not properly handled. So things like mad cow disease or bovine spongiform encephalopathy. So that's a very big concern. And people may not understand why we're always asking, do you have any meat, cheese, all of that? Because there's a big risk, as you mentioned, to the economy here. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens if I went to, we'll say I was traveling, went to Las Vegas and I got lucky, hit the jackpot, won, ooh, I don't know, $20,000. What about the currency issue when it comes to declarations and seizures that's another aspect of our our work uh the um uh currency issue well one of the questions on the uh, our documentation is do you have in your possession currency exceeding ten thousand dollars canadian so that's the question we ask and that they have to answer truthfully and this comes into play whether it's at import or export right if you're leaving with over ten thousand dollars canadian or coming into the country with ten thousand dollars canadian so the um Traveler will, of course, we ask you that question. You will have to, if you cut, were the lucky winner in Las Vegas and you're coming in with uh, $20,000, well, that's good for you. Uh, you'll have to declare it. If you don't declare it, okay, well, then that too goes into a uh, seizure mode. There's different levels of seizure there too, where the person can uh, lose their money, right, till further investigation or the person will, of course, will explain and says, listen, I have here, they have to provide the proof. Uh, what I'm leading to is if it's a regular traveler that will travel and uh, but there's instances where travelers are bringing in over $10,000 and it's involved in proceeds of crime. If the lucky winner from Vegas can, you know, has all the proofs that it was a uh, casino win, then uh, since they didn't declare it, they'll still get a penalty. Okay, they'll have to pay a penalty and they'll get their money back. Okay, so I have a question because you said you were coming from marine and rail and a previous person had mentioned that they actually had to seize a cruise ship as part of, I guess, some sort of an investigation that went on. Now, what happens when you seize, say, large conveyances like this, such as a cruise ship or an entire like a CP rail or something? What happens there? The reason we're seizing a cruise ship is because it was used to uh, transport um, uh, illegal contraband, right? So uh, a shipping company usually is not involved. It's a third party, but there's a penalty to be paid because it, it was used as a as a means of transportation for the contraband. So that's why the uh, ships get seized. But ship can get seized for other reasons too, uh, where they're, uh, as far as for CBSA purposes, 
uh, it would mainly be for uh, uh, immigration cases, okay, uh, where the, uh, not the ship itself, but the uh, shipping representative will have to pay a fine. Uh, when I'm talking about immigration purposes, if they have somebody on board that is uh, not uh, not properly documented, uh, what we would call a stowaway, okay, which uh, was boarded the vessel without them uh, being aware. So uh, again, the sh the shipping representative is responsible for for the ship, and the ship cannot move unless until the the penalty has been paid. Okay, so that makes some sense now as to why you would see such a large item, but it's a means of transporting either illegal goods, contraband, or people that are not properly documented and non-genuine. Now, what about some seizure statistics that we have? Like, what has the CBSA taken off the streets in terms of, say, weapons or narcotics? Well, listen, uh, border officers have kept over 92,000 uh, prohibited weapons off the streets in 2021. Additionally, they have uh, 1,122 firearms that were seized, okay? That was last year, and it was just double from 2020, okay? So we're talking about firearms coming in uh, at the land borders. In 2021, also the CBSA has uh, seized uh, 1,315 kilos of uh, cocaine. Now, the value of the drugs seized at that time is approximately $431 million. So these are just some numbers that are coming up. So these are um, numbers that uh, the CBSA uh, keeps track over. It's, um, I would say, it keeps us busy. It keeps us busy when we're trying to deter and to uh, interdict the, uh, you know, the, the point on this is to keep them off our streets, to keep the Canadian public safe. At the same time, facilitate, right, the movement of goods. Because that's our role. We want to, you know, let the goods into our country that are legitimate, right? At the same time, uh, stop and uh, interdict the entry of prohibited goods. So, Sal, are situations then different when dealing with, say, a land border crossing or an airport versus where you are, marine and rail? Well, it's essentially the same where people declare, travelers need to declare, and also importers need to declare. But the difference would be in the volume. So a container can uh, hold tons of cargo, uh, just as it can hold tons of contraband. It could be a container declared as uh, towels, and then it's a full container of tobacco. Or it could be a container declared with foodstuff, okay, and uh, it's a container full of alcohol. So, but it's, that's, you know, misdescription. It's not the right commodity and it's, uh, we'll wait for the commercial entry. The commercial entry is when the uh, importer will declare his uh, goods. I'm not saying that all alcohol or all tobacco is contraband, but if it's declared as towels, and you're, you know, declaring towels, and then we find tobacco, well, then it's contraband. But if it's declared as tobacco, and he's got the permits to bring it in, or the alcohol, and he declares it as alcohol, well, then there's no issue. Okay, so you're saying that goods, for example, like alcohol and tobacco, which are perfectly legal to be imported, as long as you have permits, seizures can be done on legal goods, too. It's just all, again, about how it was uh, declared or not declared, and again, intent and risk assessing. So let me ask you a question. When you're talking about the containers in rail mode, even in marine, do we also do outbound seizures? And there's a really big hot topic now about stolen vehicles. What is that about? Yeah, stolen vehicles is uh, another big industry that's uh, happening uh, around the country. And they will uh, put the uh, vehicles, the stolen vehicles in the containers and uh, ready for export. Now, we have a dedicated team that works with... Um, like I mentioned earlier, on 
Canadian ports, especially the one in Montreal here, we have 1.5 million containers, which is about 750,000 of those that are for export. Now, not all of them will contain stolen vehicles, but what we'll do is we have an export team that will um, do a risk assessment also. It's the same process as the import containers. Then we're working closely with the police, the local police. In this case, it's the uh, Montreal police who leads the investigation and in stolen vehicles. Okay. And uh, we will transfer to, again, our role is to intercept and then transfer to the police authority that will continue the investigation. So uh, we've had great success in uh, stolen vehicles. Listen, I would say uh, we can go up to uh, 40 vehicles a week, okay? Easily that uh, we will find in a container. Uh, and uh, the reason we're intercepting this commodity is because it's a stolen good. So stolen good, that's, you know, we cannot just close our eyes and say, oh, uh, oh well, it's stolen. Well, we'll leave it in the container. Once it's stolen good, we'll report it to the uh, police agency and that's where they continue with the investigation. So then, as you mentioned, the police agency and the, for example, will go with stolen vehicle, then gets turned over after it's seized. So then what role then does law enforcement play in assisting us with our seizures in terms of, say, stolen vehicle or other things like narcotics and firearms? Uh, well, law enforcement, we work closely with them, okay, uh, CBSA has uh, intelligence uh, services, which uh, their responsibility is to do a liaison with the uh, police agencies. So if uh, we need to transfer any information, because it's, a, again, it's a delicate information, we're not just gonna call the police and give them information, we have to go through the proper channel. There's uh, all the legal aspect to, um, to respect, okay? Where uh, we're not gonna just, uh, you know, find things and just act, we will act in accordance to the law. Okay, so by acting in accordance to the law, we need the support of uh, the uh, police authorities. So they will, uh, we will contact them, okay, they will uh, help us, assist us in the, uh, you know, in the recuperation of the, uh, of the, the goods, because like I said, once we do intercept, we got to transfer to the proper authorities. And obviously collaboration is really important, teamwork, especially working in law enforcement, we need our partners and other government departments and other uniforms to assist us, of course, with getting maybe a prosecution because this can possibly go to court. So then when this car, I'm going to keep using this vehicle because it's fascinating, the car gets seized and then where does it go? It becomes evidence and then what happens? Do I get my car back, for example? Well, that's a whole different process. Okay, so the uh, police uh, force works closely with the um, insurance bureau. Okay, so the insurance companies, uh, which is represented by the Insurance Bureau of Canada, uh, they have a great interest in stolen vehicles. Okay, so uh, uh, their role, uh, for example, if a vehicle is stolen, uh, the if you make a claim with your insurance company, uh, well, you need a car. If the car is not found within a week, or I would say within 30 days, well, then your claim is uh, accepted and then they'll pay off your uh, insurance claim, right? Then you can get yourself a new vehicle. In the meantime, if they do find a vehicle, uh, that vehicle belongs to the insurance bureau because they paid for that vehicle, right? So again, if my car does go missing, it may be hard for me to actually get it back as there's a whole other process. Once you seize it, it's in your custody, then it gets transferred, maybe evidence possibly going to court, and then it goes to someone else after. So it may be a very lengthy process and someone getting their car back might not be so likely. If it's been in the... 
In a container, it's more likely that it's been more than uh, 30 days that your car, so you already probably bought yourself a new car. So then in terms of keeping Canadians safe, how do seizures do that? When we intercept items, what are we doing for the Canadian public? Well, if we look at the um, prohibited goods, well, we're keeping uh, firearms and weapons off the street, okay? We're looking at narcotics, we're keeping narcotics off the streets, which should keep our our, uh, Canadian uh, population safe. And then also things like maybe getting dangerous people off the streets too, if we seizures can lead to maybe an arrest, is that possible? Uh, Like we say, uh, we facilitate the movement of goods and people. It's the same thing when it comes to people. Uh, That's why we have an immigration. Uh, I already uh, referred to the uh, 90 acts and uh, regulations that we apply. Well, immigration is one of them. So we're the, uh, again, I mentioned we're the front line. So when the person approaches you, the traveler, right? Uh, We want to know if he's a true visitor, right? Or if he's coming in for um, any other reason other than a regular visit or vacation or so in that effect, we have BSO officers that are uh, more, you know, lean towards uh, the Immigration Act and applying the Immigration Act, and they will conduct an interview. They will conduct an interview. When I'm talking about people that are not admissible into Canada, it could be for various reasons. Do they have uh, a criminal uh, file, right? Were they involved in criminal activity? Have they ever been arrested? It's vast, the Immigration Act, where the people are admissible or in- inadmissible. Then again, then you have the refugees, right? The refugee will claim refugee. Well, in that case, you'll have to take the uh, person's claim. So the immigration officer will take the claim of the uh, person make, making the uh, refugee claim, and then they'll be processed through the uh, immigration process. But at the time when uh, there will be interdiction of uh, persons coming into Canada, that they will be uh, asked to leave, allowed to leave, okay, voluntarily, or if there is a criminal or a warrant for their arrest, okay, they'll, then we'll act on that warrant. We have those officer powers to act on a warrant on behalf of the uh, police authority. So we would arrest if it's an outstanding warrant and then transfer again to the proper police authority. And uh, then there's situations where we have another section in the CBSA where there's the uh, deportation of people that were um, inadmissible into Canada. Obviously, you're keeping Canadians safe in terms of intercepting maybe people that are non-genuine. And then the goods that you say you get off the the streets, the weapons, the narcotics, all of that, that we want to make sure, even the, the food, plant and animal concerns that you'd mentioned earlier, obviously, uh, our role really important in keeping Canadians safe. What about any sorts of challenges maybe you would have experienced in terms of seizures in even when you're maybe at land border and then marine and rail, can this be challenging? For example, to seize a cruise ship. Uh, when you're faced with different scenarios, uh, it's you'll have to deal with it when it comes up. So we'll have we have procedures to follow. We'll then we'll go back and uh, validate with um, our uh, CBSA authorities. Right there's a, we have a legal team also that comes into play. And uh, again, our goal is to. Uh, facilitate the movement of goods but in the event that that comes up with that's something we'll have to deal with yeah okay so everything that we do we make sure we do with a purpose and then what about thinking back through your history and your career with the cbsa any big memorable seizures big wins for you that you can think about that you've encountered in terms of what we've discussed today 
there's been a lot. There's been a lot of seizure. Memorable, it's uh, it goes by volume, right? Uh, when uh, when I'm saying I worked at the border and I worked at the uh, in Marine at the land border, you'd have you know uh, we're talking about uh, you know uh, if we're talking about narcotics, you would have you know let's say a maximum of ten kilos type of thing. But when we're working in uh, Marine and you'll have containers, I mentioned volume. Uh, there's containers with ten thousand kilos of contraband, so. You know, it will take you two shifts to uh, finish off that container. Whereas, you know, then uh, in a vehicle, uh, you know, 10 kilos, you know, so that's how varied it is. So every seizure is definitely different, not the same between the volume, between the actual commodity, even the method of like interdiction, all of it's different. And that's what makes, I guess, it's so exciting, right? It's, it's a very varied job description every day is different and uh i like i tell my staff when you're opening a container you got to open that container as if it's the first time you're opening it right whether it's a traveler in front of you container in front of you like i said you can say well i'm staring at the screen it's uh, the same thing over and over well if something is changing on that screen well that's where you're you know like i said you open that container as if you're opening it for the first time Okay. And so, Sal, any final thoughts then on seizures and keeping Canadians safe? Anything we should know? If they need information, they can uh, contact us. Uh, we have uh, our website, the CBSA website that has a uh, vast amount of information. It's got a, you know, a, if they want to know anything regarding importations of a marine container, we have a whole uh, Q&A section on it, question and answers, okay, which explains how the process works. Uh, we have also, uh, you know, if you want to bring in personal goods or uh, commercial goods, uh, information on traveling. So I encourage uh, that information is there. And once they see that information or once uh, in my career, I've dealt with complaints where they say, oh, why is my container being examined for such, such a reason? And once we provide them that information and it's clear to them, they understand and we tell them, you know, it's a risk assessment. It's not you. It's it's the the whole process. Uh, we don't want to be uh, punitive, right? Well, we'll examine the same importer, uh, you know, 20 times a year. But uh, if the indicators are there, we'll do what we have to do. We'll have to do our job. But uh, we it's a question of informing them and uh, them being aware of what our role is and the importance of protecting, again, uh, Canadians, keeping it safe whether it's uh, the food plant and animals or uh, public safety and uh, just the facilitation of goods. And you heard it here first, everyone. Be aware and declare. So I want to thank my guest, Salvatore Barbieri, who's a superintendent marine and rail in Montreal for being with me on the podcast today. Thank you. My pleasure. And that concludes this episode. 